how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to episode 410, where I sat down with writer-director Jesse Atlas to talk about the Bruce Willis film, Assassin. Jesse's known for high-concept, character-driven genre thrillers. His feature debut, Assassin, hits theaters this spring. Previously, Jesse's mind-bidding sci-fi short films, Record Slash Play, and Let, the Let Them Die Like Lovers have played at Sundance, Tribeca, and Fantastic Fest. In this interview, Jesse talks about moving from theater to films, getting your foot in the door as an editor, influence from reading some Martin Scorsese work, fighting for attention with shorts, and why first-time filmmakers need to learn to write to make a name for themselves. If you haven't already grabbed your copy, you can get my book, Ink by the Barrel, Secrets from Prolific Writers, based on this podcast for free. That's the book and that's the audiobook and digital download over at brockswinson.com. Well, I, uh, I was always a storyteller um, and I started out in, uh, do, you know, doing theater and uh, did theater, you know, off, off Broadway in New York for a few years after college and um, loved the storytelling aspect, loved working with actors um, and wanted to actually have some more control over, you know, shaping where my viewers eyes were going instead of just having this wide open stage. So that got me interested in uh, having a camera. Um, and uh, I read uh, one of Martin Scorsese's books at the time. And, uh, and, you know, it was all about how, if you want to uh, learn how to direct, you should learn how to be an editor. And so that is the path that I took, which was wonderful. Um, just me in a, in a room alone at the end of the day with a, a ton of different footage and a million different ways to put it together. That's so interesting. I feel like if you had read Tarantino or some Tarantino, they might have said to go right first, right? It's it's, uh, but you kind of do all three. How did you kind of find your way to all three of those positions? Uh, that's yeah. So, well, editing is is where I started because I just wanted to get my foot in the door and figure out exactly what I was doing. Um, and I always knew that I had natural instincts for directing, and at the same time, I also was starting to see in the business that you know, great scripts were not falling off of trees and being handed to first time filmmakers. So if I wanted to have a voice and make a name for myself, I was going to have to learn how to write as well. Mm -hmm. And luckily I found, um, I found two things. I discovered that there was a lot of things that I would, that I had strength in, which, you know, from visual storytelling to, you know, creating really high concept stuff and, and, uh, you know, really ratcheting up the tension. And I also started a partnership with a longtime great friend of mine who is also ready to just try something new. And that's uh, my good friend, Aaron Wolf, who's also my co-writer. And Aaron is just a master storyteller as well. You know, he's, uh, I don't know if you've heard of the Moth podcast, but he's, you know, he's a frequent recurring person on the Moth and a Moth Grand Slam guy. And so, you know, he is very, very much about you know, grounded human storytelling and human connection and human emotion. And, you know, when we brought our skills together, we found that there was, uh, you know, it was it was a real great fit. 
Um, and, and, you know, so that covers the, the editing and the writing. And then the directing is just, I don't know. It just always came natural to me. It just always, always, it never really felt like something that I had to strive to. I mean, of course I'm, you know, I don't want to sound like an ass, you know, I'm always working on my craft and I'm always learning new tricks and new techniques and this and that, but innately, I always knew that that was a good fit for me. And that was a place where I would shine. And, uh, and I did. Was there any uh, kind of moving from like theater to films? Was there any like overcorrections or undercorrections? A lot of um, like theater writers are known for like writing a long dialogue in a single room, like you'd see on a stage. Did you have any like trouble or anything like that? Uh, no, because I wasn't writing theater. I was only <laughs> directing theater. So luckily I, I didn't have that. And I think I was just so happy to be able to, have you know different size of frames you know after you know just being in the theater and being in the black box and always having the same perspective on the story of where you're looking and don't get me wrong there's some really really masterful theater directors and i still love seeing live theater for the way that directors will carve up the space and be able to use you know that particular format but i was just so happy to be able to say you know what for for this moment and this emotional connection that I'm designing for you, I want you to be this close to the actor. And then in that next moment, I want you to feel like completely removed and watching it from like a 4,000 foot view and, and, you know, and just being able to kind of structure the pacing of it. And I guess maybe it is a little bit more of a control thing, but I did love having control over the pacing and how long I was going to linger in this moment, how long I was going to linger in that moment. And it's kind of antithetical to the way that you uh, approach theater, where you really want the actors to have the most amount of control to be as organic as possible because they're up there and often, you know, they, you know, you're not cutting away from them, you know, mm -hmm. so they're on all the time. So it's a different, it's a different style, but I think that something that was uh, that also was super helpful that I was able to carry over in the transition was just, you know, for so long on, especially in the off, off Broadway space where, you know, a, a big budget production is like $3,000. Wow. <laughs> um, you know, your only storytelling tool is an actor. And I had to really, really look into and explore um, how to work with actors and how to craft, you know, an emotional journey with actors. And I am super thankful that I had that experience before I moved into film because it really, really, gives me a shorthand with all kinds of actors, no matter what their acting style and their acting technique, um, that we can really connect in a shorthand and, and trust each other, which is crucial to making a movie like this, that, mm -hmm. you know, my actors have to trust me and, you know, actors, actors can walk away from movies and parts if they don't feel like they trust the director and the story is asking them to be really vulnerable. So I'm glad that I had that. So you've made like a, a series of shorts as well, which, you know, gives you some experience. They get to kind of see your work. Are there any misconceptions about making shorts or anything that kind of surprised you about making shorts? Um, let's see. I think the only thing that su maybe surprised me is, uh, uh, you know, how much, how much you have to fight for attention with a short, you know, like it's, I was so excited to be, at Tribeca with my short and Fantastic Fest with my short and Sundance with my short. Um, but ultimately at the end of the day, it still kind of feels like the kid's table. <laughs> um, and and it's, it's a little bit unfortunate because I, I really feel like 
And I often talk about and go to colleges and give talks about the, you know, the short to feature pipeline, about how your short can really be your calling card and should be your looked at as your calling card and how you should design it in a way that it's your calling card and make sure that you have a piece of content like a feature to go with it so that you can roll it up into something bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, despite shorts being the breeding ground for, you know, the next you know, generation of directors, they are just so kind of disrespected <laughs> generally. But um, but at the same time, that also helps myself and other people who really make standout shorts to to shine a lot more because you it's you know it's easier to rise up that way. If if you were speaking, one of those students asked, so you kind of still going, or you were still going the festival route. Uh, if they ask you about putting stuff on YouTube or something, do you see any merit in that? Or what do you think about that? Yeah, totally. You know, it's really interesting, especially in the promotion of of, of this film and, the, you know, the promotion tours that I've seen my, uh, my colleagues go through. Um, you know, there's a very, uh, there's a very active online presence, especially for, you know, people like us who are in the genre space and appreciate the genre space. And I feel like those people are tend to make a lot of noise about stuff that they like and stuff that they dislike. And it's great to be in engagement with them and great to get like an audience base that way. And then also there's part of making shorts that are like industry facing, right. And making sure that you're getting it into the hands of, of the right people and the right producers and the people who can see your work and actually, you know, finance and produce these things to get you to the place where you can be in conversation with the audience. So I think, you know, it depends what the short film is always a tool and it depends what you need from that tool at that time. Do you need um, do you need to go the festival route and make sure that you get some level of, you know, I guess, industry prestige, for lack of a better ter- a better term, so that, uh, you know, you have some eyeballs in the trades and, you know, some producers and financiers looking your way? Or are you really, really looking to, you know, build a fan base and, you know, deepen your connection with an audience and make that the primary point of focus? And then, you know, once you've got your following and your, you know, your million or however, however many people about, you know, it takes to be considered valuable and then go and approach the industry and say, look, this is a great product and there's already a fan base for it. You know, you can do that just as easily. Well, not just as easily, but you can do, you can choose that, that route. And I think, uh, you know, either way, make active choices about what you want how you want it to connect and who you want it to connect with and, and structure it that way and engineer the short that way and make sure that it's working for you in the things that you're, uh, that you envision. So where did the original idea, so you, you listed, um, you're listed as a co-writer with Aaron, as you said, but where did the original idea come from for assassin? Sure. So the original idea came when Aaron and I were both spending time in Israel for another project. Um, we were acquaintances with a lot of people who were in the Israeli army and um, they lived at home. And of course, the situation over there is really painful and tragic and sad. But in addition to that, you know, the logistics of the situation are such that, you know, we were waking up in Tel Aviv with some of our uh, friends and colleagues and watching them, you know, morning coffee, regular day. And then all of a sudden they're putting on a helmet and strapping on a uh a rifle and getting into their uniform and, you know, driving to the front line, driving to the checkpoints and sometimes coming home the same night. 
and you know the switch from civilian to soldier and back to civilian again was something that was really kind of compelling to us and i think that you know sci-fi moving things an inch or two to the left or to the right in sci-fi gives us an opportunity to comment on things that are happening in the world so we were easily uh, you know, attracted to, you know, what if we take, what if we take that? What if we take that kind of identity where you're wearing, you know, you are in war mode and now you're in civilian mode. And what's a, what's a way that we can explore that through a sci-fi lens, you know, to make that really feel much more instantaneous because a lot of the, you know, the combat and the war movies that we're used to in this country involve, you know, somebody leaving the U S and being mm -hmm. gone for a long period of time and then coming back and dealing with their identity when they come back. But, you know, switching your, uh, your identity multiple times in one day was a really compelling thought. And it kind of just ballooned from there. Do you kind of see like, because because i read the description i see the trailer it's so unique that sounds so different than what i'm expecting to watch i guess so that's such that's a good thing you know um well tell me about like was that your north star and do you see a north star and a hook is kind of the same idea between the writing process and the filming and then like, like the pitching parts of it well i think that there's the i think that there's the concept and then there's the human connection so um I think that the, you know, the hook is always going to be the concept, right? And there's a thematic, there's, you know, there's themes and there's, the, you know, the thematic reasoning that leads you to explore that hook. But then, you know, uh, maybe that's not the most exciting thing. Um, you know, once you, once you start to crack the story in terms of like, what's the most compelling uh, human emotion that we can insert into the story to make sure that people are connected to this hook. You know, so I guess like, you know, first it's being inspired by this thing and then taking the second layer is taking it into the realm of this sci-fi concept. And then the third layer is once you've been taking it into the into that realm of the sci-fi concept, how are you going to square that concept with the most compelling human story? And that's what Aaron and I really love is finding that sweet spot where like the concept is firing on all cylinders and the character is firing on all cylinders. And, you know, the character, the way that the concept works will influence the character and the, the character and the choices that they make will ultimately influence you know the concept that's at the core of the movie and that's when we have something that really snowballs and that's when we're that's when we really feel like we're we have a human driven story whereas you know otherwise you know we it's like the difference between that and saying like you know this movie is about fighting the dragon you're just going to get closer and closer to the dragon but it's always going to be the dragon and you're always just going to get closer and closer to it. And the dragon's not going to change mm. in this, in this one, you know, the danger is constantly changing because you're in a, a different emotional state. The more that you've used the tech. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, tell me a little bit more about the logistics of your writing process. Is it a ton of conversations? Are you in the same room? What does outlining look like? Are you next to each other over zoom? That kind of thing. Sure. Uh, there's a lot of time spent together in the outlining stage and then a lot of time spent apart when we're crafting the scenes. Mm -hmm. And I think that is just how the two of us are used to working. I don't think that there's a right way or a wrong way, but that is the way that that is the way that we do it. And I think the advantage for us is, you know, there's there's a lot there's a lot of things that Aaron brings to the table and there's a lot of things that I bring to the table. 
And then there's the things that, you know, like the center of the Venn diagram where like, you know, where we're both kind of doing the same thing. And I think, you know, writing alone kind of allows both of us to each go off in the, in these other directions. And it's great because we always wind up surprising ourselves mm. or we aren't, we always wind up surprising the other person, mm. um, you know, giving each other that kind of space to go off and do your own thing, knowing that, you know, the outline is in place. We're both moving towards the same thing. And we're, you know, both of us were in agreement about how the concept works in the movie. And we're both in agreement about the themes of the movie. And we're both in agreement about the character arc. And now we're just going to go, at, you know, deep into our brain and tackle it the way that that we each see the world as human beings, which gratefully for us, um, you know, or in a great way for us is is different from each other. And so that allows us to both at the end of the day have elements that were delivered by the other person that are just a surprise because it's like, Oh my God, this is not the choice that I would have made, mm. but it's still uh, it's, it's just as great as what I thought that I would have done or even better mm. because everything, uh, you know, to make a complex character and make a complex script script, you work in opposites and it can get a little bit, you know, one note, if you're the person who's concepting it and writing it and then directing it and having the actor, you know, play it exactly the way that you, that you have designed it. If you don't leave room for other human connection and other human collaboration in it, you know, I think that it's always going to start to feel a little bit one note. Mm -hmm. um, and so I always give my actors the most amount of freedom that I possibly can allow them well, you know, while of course staying true to, you know, the direction that the film is pointing in. And I think that that's, you know, that's the same of, of, you know, Aaron working with me or me working with Aaron. We just want to both see as much humanity and as much personality in it as we can. Um, and I think pulling the script in two different directions at the same time often gives us, you know, lets us arrive at this third place that we never even thought of. Um, how did this kind of all come to be? Like, did you guys write the full spec script first and then kind of shop that? Or what was kind of that process as well? We had made this uh, as a short first called uh, Let Them Die Like Lovers. Mm -hmm. And that was made at the same time that we were writing the feature script uh, because we had seen that as, you know, a viable path for us to getting a feature made. We had done it before with our previous short with record play, which we also set up with a, with a studio and a producer and, uh, you know, through some boring politics of the business, it didn't get made, but we got so close with it that we were like, look, this is our strongest shot. Let's do this again. Hmm. Um, let's have a short show the short around, um, you know, we got some audience from the short. Luckily, you know, we were deep enough into our, into our careers that we were able to work with some great actors who were on TV at the time. Um, you know, uh, Angela Lewis was in Snowfall and Mustafa Shakir was doing Luke Cage at the time. So that attracted some great attention with the audience. Um, and they were both fantastic in the short. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it did well on the festival circuit. So that helped us as well. Um, and when it, when it came time to, um, you know, bring it to producers and financiers, even though I've made a bunch of things and I've been in, you know, a successful writer, editor, director, you know, when you're making your first film, you're, you're a first timer and it's nearly impossible to get over that first timer uh, stigma. So having that short 
to say, hey, this is the proof of concept. Mm -hmm. This is how this concept works on film. This is exactly the way that we that we have decided to film it, to tell this story and write it to illuminate this. Like, you don't need to question whether this is going to work or not. Yeah. You know, and taking that that question and removing that doubt was crucial to getting the film made. And do you see uh, of all the shorts you've done, do you see that as like a mini movie? Like if you if I think of this, I'm thinking it's got action, it's got deep psychology and it's maybe got some sci fi. So I'm expecting to see all those things in the short. Is that kind of how you see it as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you only really have time in a short to explore one or two ideas. And so for us, it was not about like scope and show how big this could be. We knew that we would make a big movie once we had the, uh, the resources to do so. What we really wanted to sell is that, uh, you know, that a lo-fi sci-fi concept like this can really work on screen. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to sell the trajectory of, uh, you know, what it would do to um, our lead character, a female soldier who was constantly going in and constantly having a harder and harder time. Um, every time she went into somebody else's body, took over their body and their consciousness, the harder it was for her to come back. And that's what we really needed to communicate in the short film. Um, and that's what we that's what we did communicate in the short film. Did anything uh, change about the script? Like once like Bruce Willis or someone signs on, did anything start to shift about the characters that way? You know, um, I really want to talk about that, but everything <laughs> everything involving that involves some spoilers that, yeah. I, that I don't want to that I don't want to do. But yeah, you know, look, when you get a person like Bruce who thinks that your script is worthwhile of 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 his time, you know, there's so much that you can do with that person who comes with such a history and a, and a familiarity, you know, to the movie going audience. And, you know, that, that actor and that intensity, um, you know, just like, you know, a scowl from Bruce Willis is worth a thousand words. And it was really easy to lean into the persona of, of who Bruce is and what he brings with him and what you feel when you see him on screen and to just let Bruce, um, you know, and, and Bruce's acting choices, you know, do a lot of the work. And we were actually able to cut down some of the wordiness um, that was part of that character in a previous version. And I think, and I think we do that with all of our characters once we see who the actor is and and who the and what the face is of that person, we're able to kind of tailor things, you know, around them. And I think one thing here was just, you know you just you just don't need that extra line you don't need that extra that extra line of instruction from him to alexa you don't need that that second did you did you hear me i need you to do it you don't need that you just need a look from bruce willis and that was priceless doing kind of these three different roles um writer, director, editor, do you have any issues like shifting that mindset or anything you do to kind of switch places? Because I would imagine you want to be creative as possible in writing and directing and producing and that kind of thing. Maybe you're being a little more careful with budget if you need to be. And then editing, it's like, well, we really got to get it right now, that kind of thing. Uh, how do you well, think about those? Yeah, I mean, so, well, um, you know, I I didn't edit this film. I I think, you know, my experiences in the past with editing my own stuff was like, 
again, it gets a little myopic. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe I was choosing shots for for not the right reasons sometimes. But, um, you know, my editor, Philip Harris, uh, uh, sorry, Philip Harrison and I, um, we have a great relationship because he is such a skilled storyteller um, and really challenged me to think, you know, about some of the things that I shot um, you know, just thinking about playing them in a different way. It's like, it's really mm -hmm. like a talented editor is working with another, another co-writer, basically, mm -hmm. you know, that's the level of degree that I let them into the process. And, and, you know, there are some things where I really thought that it was going to be like, you know, some of the twists and turns where I thought we were going to play it as like super dark and dramatic. And Philip just, you know, was able to remind me to reconnect to some aspects of the love story and that really changed the shape of how some of the twists played out um, in terms of the tone of those scenes. And, and, you know, we experimented a lot with the actors about different levels, different levels of, of intensity and, and, you know, balancing, balancing the intensity of the drama with their feelings for each other. And Philip was able to just, and I wasn't sure how it was going to cut together. I wasn't sure which way I was going to go and what the film needed. And even once we got to the edit, I was so convinced that I knew what the film needed and I was wrong. And I was so happy to be wrong. I'm so happy to be able to surround myself with people that I trust and respect so much that can show me something new. And, and I can say I'm wrong and it, and it feels good to be wrong because they showed me something even better. But um, what the editing, what my own editing skill set did for me while shooting is, you know, it allowed me to really, really dial in um, the way that I wanted to present these scenes and and shoot them accordingly instead of just, you know, uh, gathering a ton of coverage and let's see what it looks like later. Like, you know, some, some scenes I wasn't doing close-ups and mm. some scenes I wasn't doing wides and some scenes I wasn't doing two shots. And I specifically knew that I was doing that and making those choices to make those scenes feel different from each other. And I don't think that, um, you know, I, I don't think that saying, oh, this scene only played out in, in two shots or over the shoulders is something that an audience notices, but it's something that they feel. And mm -hmm. the idea was definitely to give them something different to feel, um, and, and give them a different visual language from which to understand, um, you know, some of these different perspectives um, of the different characters in the film. And then, of course, to repeat those techniques throughout the film. And I think that helps the film feel big and epic um, because you're you're constantly switching gears in, in how you're approaching the style. And so, you know, even for a film that was made on a, you know, relatively small budget, um, that the ambition behind it was always to make it feel epic in terms of emotion and scope. I think, you know, choices like that certainly help. And I wouldn't have been able to pull the pull off those things if I didn't have the editing background. Hmm. And, and this is not your your first feature, as you said, but was there anything that surprised you besides like endurance between moving from shorts to features? Like it's not just a long short. Like what else kind of surprised you about that, maybe? Um, I think that, you know, in a short, you have, you know, first of all, you're you're up against the expectation. You're up against two different types of expectations between a short and a feature. You know, I think that, you know, when was the last time you were excited when somebody was like, hey, you want to go to a short film screening? You know, like, 
you're already like, oh God, what am I getting in for, right? So you have this predisposition that like a short is going to be meh or bad. And so you have to get in there really quickly with the short and, you know, decide and, you know, be laser focused on one idea, one emotion, one concept, and really drill into it and really hook people um, as soon as you can and, 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 you know, keep that intensity up. And I think that, you know, it's really nice in a feature to just be able to have those moments where you can just kind of sit and reflect with a character, um, you know, just mm -hmm. linger a bit longer or give a little bit of space to just, you know, not rush to the next plot point um, to just make sure that you give the audience time to absorb what's happening, you know, to read the, uh, the emotion on a person's face and, you know, to just you know, there's a couple moments of that are my favorite in the in the feature that we would have never had time to do in the short, which is just, you know, just Alexa standing on the platform of the train station, looking out at the train, or just, you know, preparing for her next mission and just kind of pacing nervously in this beautiful stained glass room. Um, and, you know, those are kind of things that we, we didn't have time to do in the short. And I'm glad to have the time because I feel like it, it deepens the connection. So I'm kind of, I'm not so secretly like obsessed with like action movies and stunt men and stunt performers. Um, any advice about shooting action when there is some, some budget restraints and that type of thing? Well, I mean, anybody that you work with in that field is going to tell you that safety is number one. And it, and it, it really is. I, I mean, the, you know, the camaraderie on sets and the way that people take care of each other on a film set is exceptional to begin with. But then, um, you know, the way that the stunt team and the stunt performers and the and our fight choreographer and our second unit director, the way that they would work um, was just so respectful of, of, you know, not doing anything that would get anybody hurt. Mm -hmm. um, and and there's still, you know, with talented people, there's still a lot that you can do. And it really requires like it, you know, it's, it's such a culmination of, of all the skills. It's, it's the right camera angle. It's the right camera movement within that shot. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's the right framing. It's, uh, it's the right choreography. It's the right editing. It's the sound design. It's the music. Um, action scenes are a ton, a ton, a ton of fun to shoot. And I am, ecstatic about the the quality of of action scenes that we were able to do um you know on what's considered an indie um and it's all about putting together the right team and i can't can't give away too many of the secrets but it's really just about you know like anything just letting people know what how strong your vision is um so that they can be excited to collaborate with you and and bring their a game and everybody did Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Before you take off, I want to give you a free gift. I'm giving you my first book, Ink by the Barrel, for free. That's the digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com. Inside this book, you'll learn how to annihilate writer's block by embracing Elizabeth Gilbert's playful trickster mentality. You can learn to weaponize your anxiety with Kevin Kelly's different is better approach. And learn how to defend your time with Ryan Holiday's calendar anorexia mindset. There's just a few other ideas in the book, Ink by the Barrel. It's also based on over 400 interviews I've done right here on Creative Principles. 
So go steal that book right now, Ink by the Barrel, to learn how to be a prolific writer. You can get your copy that's digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com, B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N.com. And if it's your first time here, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode.